So good evening to Uten Tun, who's in Yangon, and I, of course, am in Queensland at the moment. Now, Unten Tun is, or TT, as he's given me permission to call him, is one of our older interview subjects because I believe he was born on the 1st of May in 1931, making, making you TT 91 in May. Is that correct? Yes. So, TT, can we start? by you telling us about your childhood or your parents, your life as a small child? Oh, it was very short because it was before the war time. I was born in Yangon in 1931. So my parents actually, first shall I say, they were very young when they got married. My father is actually half Shan and half Gun. You know what is Shan? Yes. Uh, six or seven major ethnic group, and my father's belong to half. His father is Shan, and his mother is Moon, Lou Obama. Shan is also from the eastern part of Myanmar. So my father is half Shan and half Moon, and my mother is half Indian and half Moon. Wow! So I'm the mixture of for 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 ethnic group. So anyway, Mama before the war time, that is before 1941, is actually very poor country. So when we became part of um, what shall I say, a full colony. So everything in Yangon is run by British and Indian people. So we can all for transportation is run by Indian. The whole of railway system is run by Indian. The whole of inland waterways is run by Bengali. And electricity supply is also from Indian. So even all the, uh, they call it uh, uh, lancha, lancha, what shall I say? Uh, a carriage pulled by the band is also Indian. So we can, we, we can speak a few of Hindustani. Those days, well, every everybody is. I mean, everything is run by Indian. So my father actually worked for Mama Railways. The whole of railway staff, accounting, engineering is all Indian. We don't have Mummy's engineers those days. So when the war broke out in 1941, I was only 10 years old. My first schooling was in at the age of six at one of the Bambi school for one year. Then somehow I couldn't attend Bambi school for one year. Then at the age of eight, my parents put me up in Methodist boys school at second standard. So I was there for, for a whole year, second standard. Then third standard also whole year and fourth standard is 1941 when the war broke out. So the edu education system at that time was, you finish school at 16, 10th standard, then you can join university. So when the war broke out in 1941, in Asia is 8, 8 December, then Japanese started bombing Yangon on 23rd December, 1941. Then, on alternate day, they were bombing Yangon 
like Singapore, you know, they just surrender. So in Southeast Asia, nobody suffer anything. But Burma is the only country where we suffer British bombing, uh, English bombing first, and then all English, uh, Japanese people came in. Then again in 1943, 44, 45, then British started bombing again. So there, there were no school at all. The only school we can attend is Japanese language school. So I attended Japanese language school in 1943 when they start open. 43, 44, 42 years. Then I was only about 12, 13 years old. So I can speak very good Japanese those days and I became part-time interpreter, Japanese Burmese language at uh, Kempetai. Kempetai is, you can call it military intelligence service. You're very young to do that. Yeah, yeah, oh, very young, very young. Mm. So no other school except Japanese language school. So uh, we didn't have any schooling at all for four years, 42, 43, 44, up to 45. So when Japanese surrender after Hiroshima and Nagasaki. So there was still many Japanese in East Myanmar. And some of them didn't even know that the war is over. So British, I mean, flew many leaflets into the jungle that the war is over and so on. So it took some time for them to, to realize that the war is over. Anyway, everything started again, school opening from 1st January 1946. So we, I attended school again, but the only school open was the National School in Numa. Numa. You know, Joe Ting Luen, you interviewed him last time. Yeah. His father is a principal of the school. Ah, the yes, father. I remember him telling me that, yes. He is a Uberland school. So is that when you met Chow Twain? I met much later. Oh, okay. Chow Twain was not in Yango. He was in India all the time. Right. Yeah. He was attending Bombay uh, Marine School, Dufferin. Dufferin. That's right, because he's a few years older than you. Yeah, yeah. He is about three, 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 three four years older. So you went to that school for a few years until you finished high school? I finished uh, my high school within one year. Wow. For 46, I, I was food standard when the war broke out. Just studying in food standard. I didn't pass. There's no exam yet. Then when the school started, I joined. So happened that I joined ninth standard. I jumped from fourth, about fifth, six, seven, eight. So I joined ninth standard, and from there I appeared for matriculation. So within one year, I passed matriculation at the age of, before I was 16. So I joined university in 1947, March, uh, engineering. I took engineering. Engineering, yeah. Yes. Uh, 
I took actually uh, mechanical engineering for two years. Then January 1949, uh, we saw, I saw the invitation for scholarship from British uh, government. You know, at the time, just before we got our independence in 1948, uh, our defense minister is General Leia. And defense minister from England is Mr. Freeman. We call it Mama Defense Agreement. They call it Leia Freeman Defense Agreement. So according to that agreement, the British offered to train us in Dartmouth for the Navy for three years and send us for Army for six years. The, uh, those days, there were no air force. So I applied for scholarship uh, as engineer. Actually, there were vacancy for two engineering posts and four executive posts for Dartmouth. And somehow only Due to age limit, I think uh, only I was the only engineer cadet selected, and two others executive. So only three. They want to give six posts, but they could select only three. So from 1949 April, I joined uh, Ryan College in Dartmouth. We call it. Uh, HMF Britannia. That's very prestigious. It must have been a wonderful experience or a very interesting experience. Yeah, uh, for us it's entirely, uh, what shall I say, uh, the pure jungle man <laughs> going to city. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, those days was nothing. Eh? We don't have anything at all. It's not industrialized, uh, not polished. And I, we don't even have, I shall, I don't even have proper school, schooling, but somehow I, we have to join there. So with, Were you well yeah. treated there, TT? Did they treat you well? Oh, yes. I mean, it was, Dartmouth is the only entry for the Royal Navy officers. There's no other entry, even... Uh, executive, engineer, and supply. We were all together in Dartmouth. We must, we must complete uh, our cadet term uh, in, in Dartmouth. Actually, we call it Dartmouth. We were, we were there for only a few months. Then uh, they have a cadet traineeship. Then we go out for four, four months, we call it Mediterranean cruise, attending school every day, uh, and uh, the cadet traineeship, which is HMS Devonshire, which is eight inch uh, cruiser, quite large ships. Then second time we went to West Indies for four months, touching Trinidad, Grenada, Barbados, St. Vincent, uh, things like that. The pay was very low. We were paid according to British 
uh, people. Exactly the same. So our uniform, everything was for standard supply. So actually, British um, never trained in this. Unlike army those days, they, they were very, very specialized, quite prestigious, you can say. Uh, even as a cadet, we don't have to carry our own package. Really? Yeah. I think I think there's an expression that uh, that the navy is the senior service. Isn't that true? No, I think they're, they're, they're a bit. Uh, what shall I say? Uh, to be officer, they they they, they give you a certain standard. Huh? Yeah. You have to. But, mm, they they like like uh, like us. Uh, they have few. Indian, uh, Pakistanis also joined together. So, few of them like Indian, no class, but well, well educated, but they were just sent back because they said they don't have poor cute those days of the like quality. So, just like that, you know, uh, they, they, they prefer not. Real, uh, whether you're brainy or not is not important, but your appearance, uh, how, how you be a personal relation, and things like that, is, it counts a lot. So in Dartmouth, they try to teach you everything to just to become a good officer. So the, the training is quite different. So after finishing Dartmouth, I joined uh, Royal Naval Engineering College for Manhattan in Plymouth, which is under Cambridge University. Wow. So I finished all together exactly four years. Then I returned to Myanmar in 1953, April. So do you come out with a degree? Is that you get a degree from? Uh, they don't give degree, they give equivalent. So they said, uh, our Senate, because it is all governed by the Cambridge University under Cambridge. So they said equivalent to BSc honors. Right. Then I took one subject, which is economic, economic engineering, which I, that I become a graduate, uh, A.M.I. Mackey, uh, member of institution of, uh, Mechanical engineers. Do you know what is AMI Mackey? No, I don't. Oh, I see. That is quite high status. Prestigious. They train us to become either, if you retire, chief engineer in the Marine Service, or you can become a engineer in the industrial. So, Mackie, A.M.I. Mackie, M.I. Mackie is, in, in England is very prestigious. So you returned as an officer and with this uh, MMIT qualification? Uh, no, 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 no. So like, 
British uh, officers by time skill. When you pass my cadetship, you become a shipman. Uh-huh. The city man, and then you were commissioned. Why, why, why you were still studying? You were commissioned at attending college. So, so I became uh, sub lieutenant. Then, if you complete five years, then you become qualified for lieutenant. So when I came back after four years. I came back to Myanmar as sub lieutenant from Royal Navy. Then I still had to do one more year service to complete my five years. Then I become lieutenant. Then another eight years, complete thirteen years. Then you can you become lieutenant commander. So how many people? How many people like you came back from Dartmouth? You must be one of the first that came back after independence. Only, only three group, three group, three group. Actually, six engineers and twelve uh, executive officer. So the interesting point is, when I came back from England, I didn't know that we were. I was one of the pioneer mechanical engineer in Myanmar. We don't have any mechanical engineer in Myanmar. Goodness, uh, we don't have because we Myanmar was not industrialized. We have railway system, all manned by Indian. We have Myanmar Wild Company. All the engineers are Scottish and English. Then we have inland waterways. In our flotilla, they have many ships, and all the engineers are Scottish, and masters are also English people, Scottish. So those days we don't have any pre-orders mechanical engineer. The engineer we are producing in our universe university is only civil engineer. There's no mechanical or that kind. So I didn't know that I was one of the very few. Pioneer marine engineers. So, just for 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 your, I mean, interest. When Burma Navy got the first frigate from Royal Navy as our flagship, the Corvette type, we have many commanding officer take people. We don't have any engineer. So, English uh, those days borrow one Indian Royal Naval Reserve man our Burmese Navy Brigade. There's no engineer at all those days. So that that was one of the interesting points. Like like me at the moment at ninety one, I'm the most. Senior mechanical engineer in Myanmar. <laughs> That's amazing, amazing. Yeah. So when you must have been in high demand. Yeah. Before COVID time, uh, we have an annual sort of paying respect by marine engineers and mechanical. And I was the oldest one. Even in the navy now, I'm the only. 
engineer over 90. <laughs> wow. Uh, oldest. Uh, the most so senior. When I came back to England, so my first job was we need so many engineers. So what I had to do was I become technical training officer to train all the senior other rank. Like, like chief petty officer, chief uh, engine artificer, and those are still under under 40 years old and with, with 15 years service, and they have uh, in high schools. Uh, I had to train them. So, TT, you are much younger than the people you're training. Very much younger. Very much younger. I was a young child. And for your interest, also, few of our, I mean, cadet, uh, cadet, the Michigan people who attended uh, Royal Engineering College, Royal Naval Engineering College, were sent back because they were not up to standard. Also, they are already Michigan, so I had to train them here also. In Asian culture, it's quite difficult, isn't it, being a young person trying to discipline or train an older person? Yeah, yes, yes, yes. So, if everything the Navy wants, so they always ask me. So, when we, you know, we, we are Navy with torpedoes, underwater weapons, and those days we have to send all the torpedoes to Singapore. Singapore Royal Navy base for maintenance every two years. So if you fire for practice also, then you have to send it to Singapore. So what they did was they asked me to train for one year in Pula. Pula is Yugoslavia. And it was an ex-Italian uh, Navy, Navy school. So I attended one year for torpedo and underwater weapon to become a specialist. Then I built up uh, torpedo and underwater weapon. We have many mines, uh, of course, Navy got army mines to maintain that and to repair whenever the uh, torpedo was fired for practice. Every two years maintains. So I, I, I did the job. So, what shall I say? And Burma was not developed at the time. When it, we were under British for, from say, 65 years before the war time. So, we don't have any seagoing ship repair facility. No dry dock, no slipways, only riverine ships we can do. So the seagoing ship we, we got, corvette and ocean going mine ship, uh, those are all sent for annual docking and repair to Singapore and Hong Kong. Uh, with all the crew of 150 people, so it's uh, quite expensive and a long time away from home. So the government asked me to build uh, shipyard to, build, uh, to repair those seagoing ships in Myanmar for, for 
like uh, we call him Obama's uh, major one person. What so year was, are we talking now, TT? What year are we talking, roughly? Talking about 1904. Uh, when I came back in 1953, so up to 1958, I, I was doing that. Uh, 57, uh, 50, uh, 50 cent, I, I was doing that job of training, training people and repairing all the small ships, things like that. Then in 1948, uh, 58 uh, to 60, uh, 1959, uh, there was, they call it government change for one and a half year. General Nguyen took over the government for one and a half year at the request of Prime Minister Ung at the time. Because uh, for you to know, in 1948, when we got independence, there's a, in the constitution, there's a stipulation that after 10 years, the, all the ethnic people like Shan, Chen, Kachin, if they don't like, they can ask for their own, they can uh, become independent. Do, 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 do you understand what I mean? Yes, but unfortunately, Aung Sung got assassinated, right? And so the yeah. uh, when Nay Wen came in, he certainly didn't compl didn't agree with that. Yes. Yeah. So Unu asked General Nay Wen to take over for one and a half year. So at that time also, I was attached to the Prime Minister's office, second man. Then I worked under Prime Minister for one and a half year. As what, and a naval as a naval attaché or something like that? Or? No, no, no. I was in Alabama as to, uh, uh, to look after all the, I mean, the marine, um, mechanical and marine near inside in, in from Mandalay. So I was there for one year, one and a half year. So you left the Navy? It's still Navy, Navy, as a Navy uniform. Right. Because it was uh, under General Nguyen, you know, yep. the government. Uh, Prime Minister was General Nguyen at that time. I was seconded to, to the his office. Okay. And my duty was in Alabama at the time. So do say there's only one general near win. We don't have no other general. The rest are all brigadier. So after 1960, when General General election and and gave the power back to who who won again. So I came back the Navy again. So from in 1961, I was assigned to ships, uh, chief engineer, MAU, MUR, and so I mean, three, four ships for, for four, five years as chief engineer of both. Then in, 
when then I became a torpedo depot specialist, torpedo uh, repair officer. Then government asked me to build a shipyard to talk for the larger Navy ships, which is under 2,000 ton. All the ships are under 2,000 ton those days. So I built a dockyard, shipyard in, in Yangon, they call it Semelai, for, for six years. After four years, we can start talking and repairing our Navy ships. At the was, same time... Was that located across from the Strand Hotel or where was the shipyard, dockyard? No, no, no. Shipyard is uh, in Kamayo Township. The one you said is a Tala. Tala shipyard is the old one. It's only for riveting. Right, uh, right. The one I built is for the seagoing ships. Okay. For, 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 for so Navy ships, which are about 15 or 16 feet draft with about 300, 400 feet long. So seagoing. So I also have, uh, when I build the shipyard, I have three phase. Phase one is present one I'm, I was building. And also I drew up phase two and phase three for larger ships like big dry dock and so on. Anyway, at the same time, when, while I was building the shipyard, I sent so many people about, I asked a few, few uh, 10 country to, to give me a scholarship post for naval architect, ship constructor, so on. So I got two posts from Russia, Germany, Netherlands, Japan, Yugoslavia. So I sent so many people for naval, naval architect posts and shipbuilding TT, I was just working out, you're still very young then. You're 30 years old doing all of this. Yeah, very young. In fact, when, when I asked my government that I want to see so many uh, other shipyards to study, and I was a team leader, which is only about, I was only about 33, 34 years old, and all the other chief engineers are much older but they are not mechanical. So I was always a leader of, of the group. And I study and uh, I mean, it was up to me what to do those days. Right? Because it become a socialist time. Yeah? Because 1962, General Nguyen took over the whole country. And we started socialism in 1964. So we cannot give contract to any other people. So everything you have to build on your own. So I requested uh, Army Kerosene Engineer to place under me. So they, they gave me one unit 
of Tennessee engineer, which are, I mean, civil engineers group. And I got assistance from also education department. They have so many treasure equipment. And in my group, um, also from Rangoon University, um, rector, like uh, also <coughs> housing, housing ministry, chimney engineer, they're all civilian engineer. Some are Indians, they, they became a member in my construction group. So I was the youngest at that time. So government allowed me to do what I like to go to. So I sent so many scholarships two to Russia, two or three to East Germany, Netherlands, Japan. Because, I mean, naval architecture takes a long time for them to get their master degree. So most of them come back with Russian girl, Japanese girl, German girl, like that, Yugoslav girl. So the shipyard became so popular and so nice, too big. Then General Newman decided that your shipyard is too big for the Navy. So why do you, you must hand over to civil department. So in 1970, I handed over the whole department to Transport and Communication Ministry. And I, I was asked to stay on as managing director. I told them I'm only 38 years old. I cannot be I'm head of civil department. So young. So I still want to serve in the Navy. So I came back to the Navy in 1970. Oh, you went back to the Navy? Navy, yeah. I was, uh, why I was building also, it was a naval unit. Right. As commanding. Uh, it was a uh, military project, Navy project. Right. But they wanted they wanted you to leave, and but you preferred to go back to the navy. Yeah, yeah. They asked me to carry on as civilian and head of department uh, for, for the shipyard. Yep. So I requested to go back. To, and no, I refused to join the civil service. So I went back to the navy in 1970. Anyway. Uh, during that time in 1958, uh, I had to go back. My wife joined the Navy as one of the first uh, women naval officer. One of the six. So they started recruiting women naval officer in the Navy. So she is one of the first group. And she was sent to America, US at Bainbridge in Maryland. Then a course, woman of the course for a few months. Then she we met in the Navy and we got married in 1963. 
So her name is uh, Mia A. Is yeah. that right? Yeah. Mia A. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Commonly called po uh, Polly. 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 Polly yes. Yeah. Uh, she is also half Chinese and half Burmese. Right. Her father is <laughs> uh, Chinese and mother is purely Burmese. Anyway, uh, when when we met, we were in across the river. I was in an amendment depot. She was in swimming school as one of the uh, staff. Anyway, we got married in 63 and 64. We were, I was assigned to a shipyard in 1964. And after 1970, I was building shipyard and in the Navy. So I was in the Navy, uh, working in the Navy again from 1970 to 1980. Then there were many things happened during that time. Uh, the whole shipyard operation was actually a defense project. One of the biggest projects those days in socialist period. Because socialism in Burma starts in 1963 to 64, till 1988, that is a socialist period. Yep. In socialist period, no private uh, contractors allowed. There were no uh, private shops, things like that. Everything was nationalized. Uh, I went back to the Navy. First, they assigned me one of the uh, seagoing ship, which is uh, which is uh, which cannot go, so I repair it. They asked me to repair it, and I repaired it. Then, after three, four months of running again, and we went, uh, I was there for about one year again. Then, they assigned me as one of the commanding officers for the another naval unit. Then, I was promoted to commander in 1976, 76, uh, 76, uh, 76 and 77 as um, commander uh, for, for shipbuilding. So I started contacting like Denmark, Norway, things like that. So I got Tanita Lung to build few ships like uh, Fishery production vessel, navy ship, but it is for fishery production. So we built so many ships at that time with loan uh, loan agreement from Denmark. Denmark gave us loan for forty years. So for for ten years, you don't have to give any interest. You pay only for half percent service charge. After 10 years, I mean, uh, they gave away the rest of the money. Uh, no, no need to give. So with any loan, I built three ships with, with helicopter, hangar, and so on. So, but during that 10, 10, 10 years, 1970 to 1980, there were many problems at the shipyard which I built, labor problem, 
insubordination, many, many other things. So I was asked to go back as, I mean, as managing, managing director to, to manage the ship, shipyard. Still in so, uniform, still in uniform. Still in uniform. So those days you are allowed to stay up to three years in uniform. So during, so I went back. I had to go back to the shipyard as managing director in uniform. So I stayed there as uniform up to 94, 83, 84. So during that time, the head of state asked me to come over to his office. So I went over there. He asked me by name. So I went there. And when I went there, there were all the Army, Navy, Air Force heads were there. The cabinet, I mean, the main uh, prime minister, the uh, finance minister, foreign minister, they were there. Wow. So, mm, so he just asked me one question, you know. They told me, well, I knew him also in outside army. I played golf with him also two or three times. So when I was in Mayu, uh, Navy flagship, he used to come over. Uh, we had to take him for touring uh, down south. So there were no other people to play, play bridge. So I was one of them. <laughs> play bridge with uh, the Supreme Commander, Navy Chief, and Air Force. Uh, Brigadier Cliff, Chief, and myself, a <laughs> small young lieutenant playing bridge with <laughs> forces. <laughs> so from that time, they, they, they know me. And when I was building the shipyard also, when we talked uh, our flagship, so he came over to see how, how the things are done. And so that he remember, remember me very well. Then defense. Uh, golf club also. At that time, uh, the, the chief of staff, army, uh, asked me to manage the whole the golf class. So uh, whenever General Neville comes over, uh, we used to play, I had to play with him for three or four times. We were quite, quite familiar. So his first question to me was, what is your vision for Simulite Opia? Right. So very simple for me because I was prepared. It was my, my, my original, uh, I mean, when, when I start building the uh, uh, small, this uh, Simulite shipyards, I have phase one and I drew up phase two, phase three, phase two for to upgrade the present shipyard and phase three for to build a big dry dock like in, in Korea. So I explained to them phase two in detail, phase three, if I want to phase three, because in Myanmar we don't have any dry dock. You know what is dry dock? Yes, I do. 
so to repair and to build, build, build ships. So I just explained to them how they were from the same how they became from shipbuilding. Then when you start building ships, there's always a sporting industry comes with the shipbuilding. No, that is normal because we need supply. What should I say? Supporting industries like woodworking, plating, piping, electrification, motors, engines, like that. So all other supporting industries also develop if you start building ships. So that's how we start our started telling him. So both of them, all of them understood my vision and my requirement. So as soon as my explanation was complete, so he asked Prime Minister and Deputy Prime Prime Minister, who is also Finance Minister, asked him, asked them to find financing for me. You know, financing means loan agreement with other countries to get, I mean, my vision, my project to develop. So after, as soon as we finish our meeting for the day with lunch provided by him and so on. Anyway, when I get back to my office, I start inquiring uh, uh, head of state office whether they have the recording. Yes, they have. So I, they gave me the recording and I took out all the brief uh, statement what uh, General Nevis said to me. And I put up the cabinet to find financing for me. So after three, four months, they got financing from ADB, that is the Asian Development Bank, and also from Japanese OECF loan. OECF means Overseas OE Economic Cooperation Fund, OECF, the Japanese loan. So we got agreement. Uh, so sort of, I had to put up preliminary uh, feasibility uh, <coughs> let's say, uh, study uh, studies, and so according to that studies, they also had to <coughs> agree with their own vote, and both of them agreed to finance my, my project. So I started also. Uh, taking taking over so many land area in Tilawa area. Now now this present time that Tilawa is big development now. I was talking about 8384. Now 2022, there are many industries uh, in, constructed by the Japanese and many other nations. And it became a Tilawa industrial project. Now, so those days there was there was nothing. It was just a plain uh, rice field, but not they cannot produce good rice because also seawater also come into the field at the time. So anyway, we we started that project on paper, uh, that is on my feasibility studies, and started designing 
stage and so on. It takes about three, four years to develop. So for Pilawa, dry talk project, the progress was very quick. So the, the Japanese team came over, which is also a very close relation with me, that is OSC, that is Overseas Building Cooperation Center in Yokohama. They took over the project for designing with loan from the Japanese OECF They They agreed first. So I, we got the initial loan for designing of the big shipyards to cater for up to 20,000 ton ships, which can enter into Yangon River. So we started designing and many other projects like uh, oh, swipe tests and things like that, and initial designing, we started doing that. So that, that, that was uh, my phase one, phase, uh, phase two, uh, phase two, and phase three. So phase two uh, project engineer was sent by ADB, the Asian Development Bank. So happened that he is a Ceylonese, but uh, Indian Ceylonese. In 1984-85, the problem starts in Ceylon with uh, the Tamil uh, Tigers and those, those Indian settlers. Yeah. yeah. So he had to abandon his uh, job given by the Asian Development Bank, and he had to go back. Well, that that uh, second phase uh, development was delayed due, due to that. But that phase was in progress very well. Anyway, that was as far as the school. When we finished designing, when we want to start to build, and it became 1988, when General Somon and General Tanshui took over the whole country. So my project was also stopped because all the loan also funding was stopped due to that change of government. This is the end of my first interview with Uteng Tun and the second interview commences with what happened after 1988.